keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Sell out full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome, everybody, to Wrestle Roasts. I am your host, Dan St. Germain. I'm here with Mike, Zach, Scott, and Robert, and we are talking Greg the Hammer Valentine. That's right, folks. It's the bright side of Greg the Hammer Valentine. Let's just fucking kick it off. Mike, you had a fun time researching this. You sent us a lot of Greg the Hammer pictures of him looking pretty fly in his Ray-Bans. What What are some positive things you can say about old hammer he was a guy in wrestling that wrestled like a guy uh <laughs> <laughs> he i mean it's it's amazing because yeah he's like i literally was like oh it's valentine's week it's saint valentine's day great valentine's and I, I mean you know he's a guy that was there when i started watching in the uh you know the, the 80s 90s and and I feel like a lot of his peak was was before my time, our time in a way, you know, with the, the backland stuff, flair tag team. But it is amazing, like the career that this guy has had, and and how little I actually knew, and how much I ended up like respecting him. Like he he's like he's like a Bret Hart, but with actual convictions, like and less of an ego. I mean, it's amazing because like when he didn't want to do something like he actually stood by his guns and, and, and wouldn't do it. <laughs> well, he was trained by Stu Hart like Brett, but yeah. the difference is he got to go home at the end of the day. Yeah. <laughs> and he was, a uh, he was abused by his own father who was also a wrestler probably <laughs> uh, as opposed to being oh, yeah, Jimmy Valentine. Right? Is that, was that his father's name? Jimmy Johnny, Johnny Valentine. Johnny his real Valentine. name is, is, is John. So he's a junior. Um, but I think, yeah, it's like he's a guy, you know, what, you know, what's really important about him is that when you watch wrestling and you, you see that dude, you're like, okay, I believe some of this, you know, because it's like you see all the cartoon characters and the actual animals that are on in like a, an 89 episode of Superstars. And then you see that guy like, oh, he looks like he'd beat the shit out of you. And then he beats the shit out of someone. You're like, yep, that makes sense. Um, I mean, it's it's pretty incredible. Like everything about him, the fact that he, he, he was a 2004 Hall of Famer, like that's pretty early and nobody disputes that. And, and with the career he had and the, you know, the, he got, I was reading on Wikipedia, he got like a big round of applause at WrestleMania 20. Like he was the one people really pop for. Yeah, because I, I feel like he's probably a dude who people really liked backstage. Like, I think I think if there's one like amazing thing you could say about this guy is that you don't hear that much about him. You don't hear 
many shoot videos. Like I think it's because it hurts his voice when he talks. I think he just doesn't <laughs> talk much. No, but he, I'm saying I don't talk about him. You know what I mean? It does sound uh, like a a woman that's transitioning. He does have that voice. No, because I mean, but the truth is, like, a lot of like the people that we love, like everyone has some kind of gripey thing to say about them. And I think Greg, they just like, yeah. And he was also there, and I liked wrestling him. Um, you know, he's the uh, he's like Tommy Dreamer in that he is just this like guy in the back, but I think people actually like him. I think people like Tommy, but Mike know, had to bring Tommy up. I think you can't like, let go Tom of up. Tommy. No, but people make, but you know, the thing is like people make fun of Tommy, right? People be like, that guy's a Mark. Nobody says that about Greg Valentine. They're just like, he, he that guy's a legend. He definitely is a, is a payday type of guy, which I respect. Scott, uh, what do you like about Greg the hammer? Well, look, I never watched maybe any Greg Valentine before this. I did see the dog collar match with Piper because I was a Piper fan. And I always heard that was a must-see Piper match. And I watched it for Piper, and Valentine is great in it. I also remember always hearing that Triple H was a big fan of Greg Valentine, uh, which I didn't understand because, well, uh, it's the positives. Um, but he has a certain look. He doesn't, to me, he doesn't look like a wrestler. He does look like he can beat you up. But like in the way that like there's that one guy on the cul-de-sac who like still lives with his mother and he could beat everybody up, you know, it's like because he shouldn't be hanging right. around kids. That's Scott, how he. Scott, can I interrupt for a second? Basically, say yeah. that Greg Valentine had the career that Triple H should have had. <laughs> oh, yeah, like if tri- like like if like if Stephanie was like, no, I can't date him. Like that's yeah. how. Yeah. Yeah. Go back to Joni. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, you know, looking into him for this, it, it is a very, it's like, what, four decades that he was actively wrestling? Yeah. And, and not on just some like, of those decades, he could wrestle. <laughs> but even when he couldn't wrestle, it's like, well, the, the, this was a time when it didn't matter. Like, he's doing, you know, our draws, draws with Bob Backlund at Madison Square Garden. It's like, well, what did that look like? I'm not exactly sure, but it was happening, which is you know, a, a very big deal. And it seems like... Every moment in his, in his career, even like in the 90s in WCW, or I think even in the early 90s, there was a moment when he was in WWF. He always at least had a moment. Like he was never treated like shit. Am I wrong about that? He, he was always treated kind of with respect and always had a match. He always had yeah. something to do. They always, he was like, you know, he was like someone. that. He was like the, okay, he was like the golden era, the early WWF's era, Cesaro, you know? Yeah. It was like, hey, he's respected. But, I mean, could he go though? I don't know about yes. that though. Oh, absolutely. Can. Well, I I will say I didn't think so. And then I watched this week. I watched the uh, dog collar match with him and Piper, and it's it is awesome, dude. Like, yeah, no, that match is fantastic. Yeah, Greg's amazing. It's selling. I mean, he could go. I think in the seventies and early eighties, he could definitely go. Or could he do what Cesaro does? Probably not. But you know, I think he put a good match together. Yeah, you know, it's a real God bless him situation. You just go, Greg Valentine, God bless him. He's one of those guys. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. I love that. A God bless him guy. I'm going to start using that. Robert, what do you have to say about Mr. Mr. Valentine? 
So of the the four of us, five, if, if Zach's awake, uh, I've probably watched the most Greg Valentine content over the years during my time at WWE. We'd have to clean up old Madison Square Garden shows or Boston Garden shows, and Greg Valentine was a constant. And I, I think back to like what Jim Ross always says, the, the thing you want the most in a wrestler is, is he reliable? Valentine was going to show up on time. He really wasn't going to make a, a, a big stink about who he was working with or where he was on the card. It was just tell me what I need to go do. I'm going to go out there and do it. It's going to be fine. Um, it's yes, he had the, he had the dog collar match dog collar match with, with Roddy Piper was fantastic because it was a hardcore match before most of these audiences had really seen a hardcore match. So it was something special of the era. A lot of Valentine matches are very methodical. We're in, we're in the bright side. Uh, he would pick a body part and he would work it over. Uh, they gave him the shin guard gimmick, which was, you know, which worked well for, for him for a long time. Uh, he was famous for the, you know, the I broke Wahoo's leg shirt. He was one of the first guys the to top five wrestling shirts of all time. Was like, he was one of the first guys to capitalize on, on that. It's unfortunate that heels didn't really have merch at the time, or that would have sold really really well there was literally a guy in the crowd at dynamite this week wearing an i broke wahoo's leg shirt so and that, it doesn't feel weird like uh, i broke sabu's neck benoit shirt exactly it's it would but it was within character it was like that was his shtick he did that for a while where he was the guy who would quote unquote break someone's leg he he would do as little as possible to get a match over in order to preserve his body it's why he was able to wrestle for five decades he was still wrestling in the 2010s and his dad by all accounts was an absolute monster uh johnny valentine was a was a real like classic piece of shit uh in the wrestling world i, I think i mentioned this before uh we got told the story as, as a hilarious story from dusty where he's like he's like no johnny would would show up before catering and he'd take a shit and he'd mix it into the salisbury steak at catering and watch people eat it so that's who raised Greg Valentine and the fact that Greg Valentine. Isn't that Tommy Dreamer's gimmick? I well, mean, no, Dreamer would eat Salisbury the Salisbury steak, steak after. That's just, that's just all Salisbury steak. Spoken like a true Davy resident. Yes. But the, the thing about Greg is he, he, was, he was raised by this guy. He came up in all these eras and really came away pretty unscathed. You know, they're, they're, we're not talking about someone who has extensive arrest records or murder charges against them or, or really anything that's going to raise an eyebrow compared to the majority of the people from his era. And that's why they liked him. He, he was workmanlike. He showed up. He did his job and he got out of there. And for, for the longest period of time, that was the, the measurement of success. Uh, Greg the Hammer Valentine, he wasn't a murderer. Some kayfabe. You know what, you know what I, I was gonna say about like watching some of his shoot videos. What I love is how matter of fact he is, where he really only cares about things based on how they affected him, which I kind of respect. Where they're like, "What do you think about AEW?" And he's like, "They paid me to watch that Cody and Brody match, and you know, so I like them." And then like, <laughs> they're like, "What do you think about?" You know, they're asking about Bruno San Martino, and he's like, I heard Bruno Mars named himself after Bruno San Martino. So he must be a good musician. (laughs) He's the kind of guy, if you ask, what's your favorite beer? He's like, whatever's free. Like, he's a very easygoing kind of guy. Um, Which, you know, in a world of, like, 
psychopaths and actual murderers uh, to, to do a little norm there is pretty refreshing. <laughs> this was yeah. the easiest week of research, I think, and just in terms of like, oh, okay, that's nice. Well, also, it's just such a lack of research, right? Like, let's like, there's not a lot of people writing you know, uh, tell that to Dave Meltzer on Greg Valentine. So, so it's very, e- I mean, literally for listeners, it's like, it's a fun, easy lookup to just enjoy the career of Greg Valentine. Well, you know what it is like, Scott, it's like, you know, when you watch like those like young comedians, HBO specials, and there might be like one or two, like real big names. And then there's like that, there's like two or three people that were like really big in their era that, then went on to just keep working, but we're never like super famous. It's like, that's actually not a bad life to have. Oh, it's great. Especially who wants to be famous nowadays. Uh, kayfabe accomplishments for Greg the Hammer Valentine. In the, oh, NW- oh. in the NWA, he was a two-time heavyweight champion, a four-time TV champion, a three-time United States champion. This was like a branch of the NWA. I really don't understand how that works. Uh, pro, He was pro wrestling Illustrated's most hated wrestler of the year for three years. He was a WWF tag team champion, a WWF intercontinental champion, and the WWE Hall of Fame. Um, he has my favorite casual wrestling photo of all time with him and shirtless Brutus the Barber Beefcake drinking beers and Lazy Boys on Easter Sunday. And my favorite Greg the Hammer Valentine moment is, was it StarCast? Right before they let the fans into the merch room, like the like, it was almost like I can only describe it as like the beginning of the Lion King. The I first, remember this. This has made me laugh so much. Yeah, it was Greg like and Brutus walk in, and you just look at me, Dan, and you go, "Ha!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they came in with rolly suitcases, and it really did feel like when the animals were waking up in the beginning of the Lion King. Dude, you started uh, singing "Circle of Life," and me and Scott were losing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man i love greg uh for that moment anyway uh all right well let's roast him who uh who wants to go first the roast to greg oh but mike who goes first the roast of greg and Hammer valentine uh scott uh you go first all right <clears throat> looking more and more like a homeless cash wheeler every day <laughs> scott <laughs> <laughs> shut up michael okay greg valentine is Patton Oswalt cosplaying Ric Flair. <laughs> He's part chicken and part nugget. He's the tallest resident of Munchkinland. <laughs> like the court knocked on his door like, Mr. Valentine, in order to live in Munchkinland, you need, to, you need legal proof that you are a Munchkin. Oh, piss off. <laughs> Under what jurisdiction? <laughs> <laughs> So the, his name is Valentine and his liver is St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> Him in a robe looks like when a prince is turned into a frog. Anytime he enters a hotel, it looks like a scene from Dunstan Checks In. It's <laughs> an orangutan movie. He looks like he drinks from a coconut. <laughs> he looks so much like an orangutan when he met Jungle Boy, he said... I want to be like you. (laughs) Look, Greg's a nice guy. What the fuck can you say about him besides he's atrocious? He has an awful face. (laughs) He has CTE, but not from wrestling. As a child, he actually bumped his head. Uh, He went to the doctor and the doctor said, 
No more monkeys jumping off the bed. <laughs> the motherfucker looks like an ape. <laughs> Who knew a wrestler named Greg the Hammer would be less ignorant than a comedian named Tim the Toolman? <laughs> Brian Nobbs is his brother-in-law. Brian Nobbs. Not to be confused with doorknobs, which is what Teddy Hart's girlfriend claimed she fell into. <laughs> His haircut tells me he has a car shaped like a sheepdog. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there's one. He tagged with Brutus Beefcake because only in wrestling does the guy with the worst hair team with the barber. <laughs> Finally, he looks like a 10 year old boy and an 80 year old lady. <laughs> I don't know if he should be chain smoking in a muumuu or sucking a lollipop in a carriage. Who looks like that? He looks like Baby New Year in that he remains a baby, yet he's 2022 years old. <laughs> That's it. Break the hammer, Valentine. Who's up next, Mike? All right, I'll go. Uh, we have now officially been doing Russell Roast for one year this week, and we're roasting Greg the Hammer Valentine because why not have your anniversary episode feel like a series finale? <laughs> yes, Greg Valentine, the Mike Ehrman Trout of pro wrestling. I'm surprised his catchphrase was a shut the fuck up and let me wrestle in peace. <laughs> what do you want from us greg is the only wrestler from the 80s that isn't dead canceled or currently hosting a podcast on ad free shows <laughs> greg valentine's dad johnny was paralyzed in a plane crash with rick flair which we know was now caused by a stewardess defending herself oh, <laughs> He wore a robe, did the figure four. Greg is basically Ric Flair if the alcohol caught up to him a lot earlier. <laughs> I remember seeing him as a kid and thinking, I know the rest of this is fake, but that guy is really ugly. <laughs> the 80s were great. You had Savage, Hogan, Warrior, and a guy in black tights that looked like if Mama uh, was just thrown off from the train. <laughs> After Hogan and Piper would tear the house down, you could always rely on Greg to go out there for 20 minutes and have a match that was equally exciting as someone repairing a tore down house. <laughs> Greg's nickname is The Hammer because he looks like if Thor beat himself up with Mjolnir. <laughs> what a guy. He looks like if you left Dennis the Menace in a pickle jar for too long. <laughs> he looks like if Popeye played guitar for Poison. <laughs> he's meat and potatoes kind of wrestler and that he looks like someone made a wrestler out of meat and potatoes <laughs> <laughs> his magic is like his hair long sweaty but amusing the longer you stare at them <laughs> an exciting Greg Valentine match is more rare than his Hasbro figure <laughs> there are only three of them uh, it's crazy that the one time he wore a dog collar was the one time he didn't put the crowd to sleep <laughs> all of his shoot interviews feel like you're just listening to Forrest Gump on a bus bench <laughs> Gorilla Monsoon always said that Valentine was great it just takes him 15 minutes to really great get going which is also how I feel about Robert's thoughts on modern WWE <laughs> <laughs> 
Finally, him and Brutus wrestled as the dream team, although they were a nightmare for any woman at the strip club. <laughs> a woman's giving oh. Greg a lap dance, and he's like, you know, me and Backlund had some great matches at the Garden. Don't worry, sweetie. You can cover your tits and get off me. I just want someone to talk to. <laughs> oh, Mike Warrens, everybody. Who we got next, Mike? Uh, Daniel. All right. The roast of Greg the Hammer Valentine. The roast of Greg the Hammer. You either die a hero or live long enough to be on Heroes of Wrestling. <laughs> He's a born-again Christian, opposed to Christian, who's a born-again born again Greg Valentine. <laughs> Shouldn't fuck that up. He once stole Matilda, who then looked at Greg and said, Ma? <laughs> His first wife gave him a back rub on national TV. She's hardcore. She's hardcore. His dog collar match with Roddy Piper is both four stars and the only way Gigi Dolan can come. <laughs> He's the guy at the Florida condo who gets Speedos banned. Here's my look-like jokes, like we all have them. He looks like a genie that rises from the smoke of your aunt's Newport. He looks like a drunk god tried to make Paul Orndorff out of Crisco. He looks like what would happen if FEMA dug a water-damaged sofa from Pee Wee's Playhouse. <laughs> I broke Wahoo's leg was Greg the Hammer Valentine while I took Kamala's foot was Reese's Pieces. <laughs> he was a member of the Dream Team with Brutus Beefcake. What a bummer if you're a Make-A-Wish kid and they sent you that Dream Team instead of the one with Michael Jordan. <laughs> Nurse, the only thing dribbling is the spit off their mouths. Thanks for the oxy, kid. <laughs> He got attacked by Rob Conroy in 2005, which is the McDowell's version of Randy RKOing Jake the Snake. <laughs> he starred in Something Fishy, which he came up with after watching Mae Young and Moolah 69. <laughs> he co-starred in ICP Theater, which means that in 2011, Fuse employed both Greg the Hammer Valentine and Dan St. Germain. <laughs> Dare pays him to go to high school and tell kids how cool drugs are. <laughs> and finally, his brother-in-law is Brian Knobs. Man, it's going to be confusing for child services when one of his grandkids is molested. It was the fat blonde one with Arby sauce on his tits. <laughs> Looks like we're in for a long night, Lieutenant. <laughs> All right, that's it. <sighs> All right, Robert. Uh, what else does Greg look like? <laughs> <laughs> what he be looking like? Greg Valentine looks like a prostitute in an Old West brothel. <laughs> Greg Valentine looks like Tammy Sitch after she got out of prison the first time. <laughs> Greg Valentine looks like the last surviving member of the Golden Girls. <laughs> Greg Valentine looks like a grandmother that loves canasta and meth. <laughs> Greg Valentine looks like someone taught a lit cigar how to wrestle. <laughs> okay, that's enough. We're roasting Greg Valentine because it's Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day is, of course, named after St. Valentine, who performed secret weddings against the wishes of the Romans in the third century. 
St. Valentine died in 269 AD. That was 1,753 years ago. If you exhumed that 1,753-year-old corpse, it would still look better than Greg Valentine. <laughs> Greg Valentine got the nickname The Hammer because in order to sit through one of his matches, you needed a blunt instrument. <laughs> to prepare for this roast, I went to watch some Greg Valentine matches. After 20 minutes, I realized I was just staring at a lava lamp. <laughs> Greg went by many names in the wrestling world. He, was once, he once wrestled as Babyface Nelson, which he modified from the original, more accurate, thalidomide Baby Nelson. <laughs> Greg's father was Johnny Valentine. Johnny initially didn't want Greg to wrestle, so he sent him to the patron saint of unwanted wrestling children, Stu Hart. <laughs> Johnny Valentine almost died in a plane crash along Ric Flair, which is still not the top 10 worst things involving Ric Flair on an airplane. <laughs> Greg Valentine famously broke Wahoo McDaniel's leg. So for the rest of Wahoo's career, he wrestled with a wounded knee. <laughs> Greg made a t-shirt about the incident that read, I broke Wahoo's leg. If Nia Jax made a shirt every time she broke a competitor's bone, she would never need to wrestle again. And I love the thought of Nia Jax never wrestling again. <laughs> Greg Valentine wrestled Bob Backlund to a 60-minute draw in a match so boring, wrestling fans mistook it for Scott's New Japan corner. <laughs> Greg teamed up with Brutus Beefcake. They were known as the Dream Team to any drug dealer in a town they were wrestling in. <laughs> Valentine refused to participate in an angle where he'd kidnapped the British Bulldog's mascot, Matilda, because as any self-respecting self superstar of the 80s, he was only willing to abuse rats. <laughs> Greg was in a tag team with the Honky Tonk Man called Rhythm and Blues, which was the worst thing that happened to the music industry since Napster, and the worst thing that happened to Black culture since Saba Simba. <laughs> in the end, look, this was our one-year anniversary, and Mike picked Greg because it's Valentine's Day, and we all had to suffer through this. Come on, Mike, do better. You could have picked Stu Hart, Owen Hart, Bruce Hart, Keith Hart, Bret Hart, who believes he deserves a second roast, mm -hmm. Smith Hart, Helen Hart, Julia Hart, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, Natalia Neidhart, <laughs> Teddy Hart, who absolutely has enough material for a second roast, the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels, <laughs> Wayne Hart, Dean Hart, Ross Hart, Diana Hart, forgettable mid-2000s tag teams, the Heartthrobs, Sexual Chocolate Mark Henry, Viscera, the guy who likes to fuck, Val Venus, the Latin lover, love machine art bar, pretty much anyone but brother love. Because we all know Bruce Pritchard is part of the ad-free show network. And we would never, ever disrespect a host on the ad-free show network. Save with Conrad.com. Oh, fuck you. Oh, that was great. All right. Let's move on to show and hell. My pick to show and hell this week, and I have to say, it is my favorite show and hell so far. It is a uh, it is a clip from I, I mentioned it in my roast. This uh, is a something. trailer. This is a trailer. Sorry, to a trailer movie that was never made for a TV show. I think yeah. that was we're moving that never made yeah, something a TV fishy, show. Yeah, a movie starring, <laughs> starring Greg the Hammer Valentine and George the Animal Steel, and then a bunch of other people that we never see uh, that they advertise in the opening credits. Uh, Greg looks so much like my mom. 
It's insane. Uh, and my big question was, these were the best takes? Uh, it's my, also just like George Steele. There's no animal. It's just George Steele. It's very different. <laughs> but hey, man, this was a lot. This was a lot less painless than that Tommy Dreamer eating hair video. What did you think of this, Scott? Yeah, I enjoyed it enough. I mean, what is there to actually say? It's very, very absurd. But it kind of does make sense that it could. No, it would have never gotten picked up. There's no way. But I get trying, but no way. I mean, oh, I, I why? Because Hogan knows best worked out. Like that's crazy for Scott. For them, you to don't go, understand. It, it could work for us. No, Ow, what you don't understand is if you put an Adult Swim logo in the top right corner of this and aired it at 12.30 on Cartoon Network, people would think this is the most brilliant fucking thing of oh, all time. Oh, that's absolutely true. It's like Steve Brule goes fishing. It's like any of that bullshit that they put on. <laughs> yeah, they oh, accidentally man. did what Joe Para masterfully does every <laughs> It does. It does feel like they're about to go to heaven right after this. <laughs> oh, it? it does, yeah. It feels like you're about to find out that's where they've been all along. <laughs> just 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 they, like, guys, play that me. while you get like reiki healing <laughs> it was kind like, of depressing though because it's like george Steele was just like we sunk all of our money into this fish camp and neither one of us know what to do about fishing you've ruined my life i wanted to see how that played out as a wacky it, it comedy does, every it week did feel like a samuel beckett play you're right mike why'd you pick this because uh, it's awesome and because yes. I love you guys, and I didn't want you to have to watch one of his matches. <laughs> just like three and a half, you know, like, look, show and hell, a lot of times uh, we pick stuff that's like, oh, man, this is really fun, or oh, this is different, and if it's also short, fuck yes. Uh, and this it's was definitely worth things. a watch if you're a wrestle roast. Yeah, if man, it's fascinating. I mean, look, man, George Steele was in one of the best movies ever, and also Ed Wood, you know? So, like, <laughs> I mean, he's fantastic. I mean, he's, you know, okay, so he's great in that, and he definitely carries the hell out of this because I, I genuinely think that he is an entertaining presence. It's just he's got nothing to work with, man. It's 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 like uh, you know, it's like a seven minute match with Jade Cargill. Uh, you know, they're trying. Uh, this is way less dangerous. You could yeah, tell he was true. memorized. Yeah, but but also, Robert, you did feel like someone could die at any moment here, too. That is true, though. I never realized that, like, George the Animal Steel has an Ernest Borgnine quality to him in this that really was, it was captivating uh, in a lot of ways. And and part of it, like, I'm assuming Valentine learned these, these lines, but it felt improvised, even though it shouldn't. Oh, yeah. It feels like he's, like, reading cue cards off of a, a tree he carved the words into. Uh, it's it's so uncomfortable he's i mean he's a horrible actor uh and i mean if you did this with like because it's honestly like in some ways this feels like the precursor to legends house ironically enough uh although this is much less written and produced than legends house was but you know it's it like it feels like you'll are... never walk alone from carousel is about to play like, <laughs> yeah. it has a magical it's, it's, feeling yeah it's like pleasant you know i mean like, dude, we just watched Tommy Dreamer eat his own hair. Like, this was a break. This was this was fucking nice in in comparison. And um, I feel this. What I think happened here was that wrestling was legit, like really fucking popular. I think this was made around like 
2001 or so the guy who made we all know the kind of guy who probably made this thing he's like look at the ratings and the pitches that he tried to have and the you know the cousin he borrowed the money from that he never paid back uh <laughs> and and for what it is it's like it's pleasant of all the things that uh we've done this is one of the things i would actually watch with other people i know this it's is crazy, man. guys. What has happened to us? <laughs> We've been broken, Scott. We watch yeah. a lot of shit, Scott. It's been an We would actually watch this, like, with yeah. people. Like, it's the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, but I also, I find the Super Bowl more boring than this. Michael. So, yeah, this this is a much better, like, uh, the Super Bowl portrayal Sundays, of people with CTE than the Super Bowl is to me. <laughs> this felt like that, that Simpsons <laughs> episode where they do the spinoff spectacular. And yeah, you're like let's just take two random people in a random scenario and see what happens. So it's like, well, yeah, let's this take- is this is Wiggum and Skinner in New Orleans. That's exactly <laughs> what this felt like. It's like let's get Greg Valentine and George Steele, and they buy a fish camp in Polk County, Florida, but they don't know how fishing works. Robert, this is too lovematic, Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, uh, and it has like it has a complete sweet little arc. It's like in the end, George catches a fish but it's really small, but he's going to keep it as a memento of what they're doing. It'd be and cool it sh- if they like, oh, go ahead, Robert. I was going to say, it should have ended with like a heart star wipe going on to them at the end. <laughs> I, I always wanted a reality show to, to slowly become scripted as you watch it. So it'd be cool. Like they have this fishing place and then they find like a body, you know, <laughs> and then it becomes like a murder mystery and you know, whatever. All right, let's move on, folks, to Chris Masterpiece Theater. It's a new segment where uh, one of us gets to uh, write what'll play for 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 all y'all. Uh, this week, it's going to be starring Inside Amy Schumer and that movie with Hugh Jackman about Gary Hart. That's name I can't remember. Mike Lawrence, the front runner. The front, the front runner. runner. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I I I, I wrote this, uh, Dan and. Uh, and uh, Robert are also going to play along. Um, I, I want to just say in full disclosure up front, uh, this is, there was that meme of uh, Shane, uh, you know, superimposed onto Will Smith's head saying, you know, how come he don't want me? Really funny. I tried to find the original author, but, you know, Twitter loves to take credit away from people <laughs> before Spotify makes sure not to pay them. Um, the internet's wonderful. I do not know who originally came up with this. I am sorry. Uh, most places that I saw it from, I'm pretty sure they took it, but we don't know where it started. Uh, so whoever did come up with this, uh, thank you for inspiring a fun little idea. Um, this is a scene of, uh, the, the Fresh Prince of Greenwich. This is Shane. And he is uh, about to see Vince, and Vince gives him uh, some bad news. Uh, So here we go. Hey, Pop, what's up? Hey, pal. I mean, son. I mean, Shane. I'm glad you're here. Some uh, complaints came up about our last premium live event. I've got a handle. So we're going to have to put your match with Seth Rollins on hold. You understand. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Just for this WrestleMania season. I, I understand. We won't need you at Elimination Chamber either. 
Yeah, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> Look, we'll uh, talk soon, but uh, best of luck on your future endeavors. Okay, pal? Yeah, yeah. It was good talking with you, son. You too, Vince. <laughs> I'm sorry, Shane. You know what, Bruce? Actually, this works out better for me. You know, there's some business deals in China I got to go back to. Some stuff with the South African rugby team. Shane, it's all right to be angry. Yeah, I'm not angry, Bruce. At least you wished me well on my future this time and didn't make you or Pat do it again. I, I just wish I hadn't wasted the last two days ordering this jersey and doing barely anything at the gym. I'm sorry. You know, if there's something I can do, maybe put in a word with Connie, get you to start a podcast. You know what? <laughs> you, you ain't got to do nothing, Bruce. Ain't like I'm still 10 years old, hanging alone and catering with Miss Elizabeth. Ain't like I'm going to be sitting up every night in Greenwich asking my mom, why does dad spend more time with Stephanie than me? You know, who needs him? Hey, he wasn't the one who taught me how to do a van terminator or safely get thrown gl through glass by an Olympian, but I learned and I got pretty over two, didn't I, Bruce? Yeah, you did. Got thrown off a cell by the Undertaker for him, right? <laughs> I learned how to do dives. I learned how to blade. I learned how to start an underground version of Raw. I wrestled seven WrestleMania matches for him. He never once said, nice work. You really carried the Miz's dad. To hell in a cell with him. <laughs> he said, I love you, son, to Hunter, but... He's never said it to me, and he certainly isn't saying it to either of us now. Shane. No, you know what, Bruce? I'm going to keep wrestling without him. I'm going to keep being a McMahon without him. I'm going to stay married to my beautiful wife, and I'm going to have a whole bunch of grandkids and grow old with the Mean Street Posse and book AEW with Tony Khan. And I'll, I'll be a better promoter than he ever was. And I sure as hell don't need him for that. Because ain't a damn thing he could ever teach me about how to run a wrestling company. How come he won't book me? End <laughs> <laughs> scene. Oh, so touching. Oh, my gosh, <laughs> man. It actually pulls on the heartstrings what even the Even more so than the Will Smith scene in a lot of ways. <laughs> Was that your yeah, spec script to get hired for Bel Air? I have a great career. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Bel Air is just that scene over 10 episodes. Yeah. I know. It's like we took a sitcom and said, fuck the comedy. <laughs> uh, all right, folks. That was you were like wiping donuts. tears when you wrote that. That was, that was amazing. <laughs> uh, good Durin, Robert. Uh, all right. Let's get to Dynamite or Dud. Hour one. MJF, this is where we review Dynamite and determine whether it was Dynamite or a Dud. Hour one, uh, we have the MJF celebration of beating CM Punk, complete with CM Punk crashing the party uh, in Andrade and Darby segment. The Blade versus Wardlow, a Pentagon package. Inner Circle segment, uh, a Rapongi 3K segment with the Young Bucks and the debut of Switchblade Jay White. Isaiah Cassidy versus what turns out to be... Um, Keith Lee for the face of a spot and face of the revolution match. Formerly and known as Bearcat Keith Lee. Formerly known as Bearcat. For those who are unfamiliar. Formerly and, known as, hey, who's that fat guy? And, and a segment uh, recapping the confusing Mercedes Martinez, Thunder Rosa, and Britt Baker storyline. Scott, what did you think of this first hour? 
Oh man, I loved it so much. <laughs> Robert just mouth dope. <laughs> yeah, man. This was a fantastic first hour. Um, the fact that they started it, it with with a with a in-ring microphone segment. I don't know if they've ever done that. This might be the first time they've or at the very least where where it's a segment that starts the show that sets up a match later on. I don't think they've ever done that. And you know, that it's obviously a raw thing. Um, I haven't watched SmackDown in a while, but that's a SmackDown thing too, right? It's a WWE thing. Yeah. Uh, and we hate Especially it. Especially if it's a tag match. Play it, play it. Yeah, but you know, we hate it because we see it so often. And yet this felt so fresh and so fun and so different. And you also knew that you were getting something else special in the show um, because you did know someone was debuting. So getting this and knowing you were getting a tag match later, it was just like, oh, my night is fucking set. And then little did we know, gentlemen, that they treated us well the entire time. What else happened, Dan? I'll compliment it. Say, say what else happened in the hour. Uh, well, Jay White showed up, Scott. Oh, yeah, I love that. Uh, I thought that was really cool. I don't think- I, I love Jay White. I love that he's there. I wish they had done that a little differently. I, how, I would, how would you do it? How would you do it? I don't know. I mean, I'm not, I don't book a wrestling show. I just- Here's my thing. He's not signed <laughs> with them, right? It's just, it's just felt a little diminishing, you know, returns, I, yeah. you know, I don't know. I just, I kind of wanted it to be a bigger moment, you know? Well, yeah, I, but he's I'm Jay White and he's on impact every week and nobody's watching. It's, it's not, you know what I mean? It's not, it's, it will be a big moment. Uh, yeah, when a big moment, moment out of like Ishii coming in a bigger moment than that. But, but you know here, I mean? Here's the thing. I thought, it was I thought this was bigger than Ishii. That was a really, really cool moment. Yeah, if you're, if you're on impact, it means you'll fail to make one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really did. I mean, my big note is that fucking Keith Lee should buy Isaiah Kennedy all the beer beers because Cassidy, Cassidy sorry, Isaiah Cassidy, all the beers beers because that when he threw him in the beginning of that match, I was like, oh, he doesn't need to do anything else. That was so amazing that like everybody he's he just he just was made with that throw. Yeah, it was it was such uh, such a cool moment. Yeah, and he was so just, over. And also, I do like that they show Jay White. They go to commercial, and you think Jay White is going to debut possibly as this person, and then it's, oh, no, you have Jay White and Keith Lee. I, I thought that was uh, cool. Yeah, I guess I just, you know, I thought all the stuff was pretty good. I just, you know, some of the layering was weird, like having the Pinnacle Summit and then having Wardlow versus the Blade right afterwards. Felt a little cocaine booking, like... Uh, I, don't, I don't know. It's a, uh, uh, you know, Wardlow versus the Blade now, but hey, man. Why so? Why so? I just didn't, I kind of wanted a break from, like, it, it's just weird to have him out there and then reintroduce him right after as a wrestler. I just, like, They've I kind of want it for like a month. What? They've been doing that for like a month. He's been in two segments like every week. No, he's been it's, in it's, a squash it's match. Back and the back to back was jarring. But, but often not consecutively. But, oh, I yeah. think when I went in Newark, it was consecutive. Or maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't think, I think this was the first time it was consecutive. I could be wrong. I'm sure somebody will point it out if I'm wrong. But like, at least have, I don't know, have like the inner, maybe not the inner circle segment because that's right here. I mean, they only really had one out, one match. I mean, two matches during this hour. So I maybe have a kid, maybe have the Keith Lee match right up front. I, I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a good hour. I'm not going to shit on it. You know, I thought it was good. Even the Jericho segment surprised me because I liked it. I liked they it. See, I mean, look, uh, if, if Santana and Ortiz lose, screw this storyline, you know, they need to win next week. 
but I do like it that um, it seems to be that everybody in the group knows Jericho is a jerk off, or at least they know who he is. You know, Hager's cool with who he is, but they know who he is. And he is what we all have been saying lately. And it's cool where he like, he doesn't notice it, but he's acting it. And it's what AEW does. They like see the criticisms and they try to wedge them into a storyline. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like with he, Cody, and I think this is a lot like that, where they're listening to the fans, and so they're they're going with it. And you know, but yeah, this has to elevate Santana Ortiz, obviously. And I, and I thought it did, it did a nice job building that, especially after. And Santana, man, really good on the mic. Really good on the mic, Mike. What do you think of this first hour? I thought it was good. I mean, yeah, I thought this was a, a great episode overall. I. Uh, have a few criticisms that Scott will defend as if he actually works there. So that'll be fun. Um, I thought the opening was awesome. Like the actual opening of starting with Wardlow, having to carry cardboard cutouts of MJF was really like interesting to me. I mean, look, nothing subtle about wrestling because it's wrestling, but you know, the fact that they did keep focusing on Wardlow, they should, and it, and it worked. Um, Dax was fun on the mic in this. Uh, MJF was great. The fact that so underrated he, on the mic, Dax Hardwood. So underrated. Yeah, yeah. The the fact that he did do the whole "I beat you twice." That he does have like the the instant T-shirt thing is sometimes annoying. You know, GFY is uh, terrible, but but you know, I'm you know better than the best in the world and you're like that that totally fits like mjf's character you know the few did not feel finished uh it is continuing it should so i liked where that was going um the jay white thing to me it's so funny like especially when you look at the real life story of it that that tony khan like was like there's gonna be someone through the forbidden door and then you know people are like it was but more than that. Door he means, snapped like, for no reason. Yeah, it's very funny. You know, cocaine's a powerful drug, as you've said, Scott. But when he was he was like, uh, by the way, I don't think he does cocaine. I think he does fun dip, uh, but then is pressured by people on cocaine. But <laughs> you, you know what I think it is? Whole- you know what I actually think it is? Because I, I've been to the shows live and he, he goes in between, you know, Rampage and whatnot. And he's like bugging out. He's so excited. Yeah. It's uh, the first time he's ever been popular. But yeah, but like yeah, it's Martin you know. with the pool. But yeah. on Dynamite, on Dynamite on Wednesday, he's working there, you know. And then they yeah. film Rampage, so then he's home, just as hyped on Friday night as he is Wednesday when he's talking to a crowd. But he's just watching it at home, so he's just like bugging out on Twitter. You know what? You know what I think it is. I think he eats cinnamon toast crunch but with all the dust from another box of cinnamon toast crunch piled on his cinnamon toast crunch. Uh, yeah. Because it's, I mean, yeah. So he's like, there's going to be someone through the forbidden door. And, you know, technically Keith Lee is just a fired employee from somewhere. So that's not the forbidden door. And someone explains that to him and he's like, Oh shit, we got to get someone. And so I mean, once you find that out, the Jay White thing feels very tacked on. But even watching it, it felt kind of tacked on. If he's not in the company, if you are just having this kind of cameo thing, I don't think that it, it worked, especially right before Keith Lee. Like anything to take yeah, a little bit off that surprise doesn't help. But No, it helped the surprise. It swerved it. 
Yeah, to you. That's why we have different opinions. Um, and we're not just one person uh, doing a, oh a show. God, Mike. But um, but <laughs> I will say, room. Jesus. I will. Look, that Shane, that Shane thing took a lot out of me. Okay. <laughs> Mike, Mike has to give himself personal autonomy. Yeah. Yeah. No, but but I will. I, Scott gives him. Scott gives a company he's never been paid. Scott gives a we company. He's Mike, breathe, Michael. Breathe, Michael. You're not Shane. We don't. We do not know he's not getting paid. By the way. Yeah, we do. Look, look, look. <laughs> He, he he's the only one who doesn't show us his zoom <laughs> the rest of us are all have our cameras turned on um but no what i'll say is i love the keith lee debut because i feel like that's what you should do more with with uh with the you know debuting guys especially um from the other company who have been let go where you just let them do the thing we all love them for because we haven't gotten to see it in a while. And we have, you know, it's like, we haven't gotten to see Keith wrestle in a while and we haven't gotten to see a happy Keith Lee wrestle even longer than that. So just like showing him doing what he does best, like as opposed to, you know, the, the Andrade stuff or uh, the, that, that first Miro promo and the Minnie Mouse, you know, shirt where it's like, they have to make the references to WWE and all that. It's like, no one cares. Like, we just want you to entertain us and be happy. And it's like, he did that. He looked great. I love the spot of Mark Quinn John, and, and, and then the powerbomb. Um, I just thought that this was really, really fucking fun. Uh, the crowd was hyped. This was, this was the same venue. This was the former Trump Plaza that they did WrestleMania four and five. And, and they finally got a good card of wrestling all these years later. <laughs> <laughs> Senator Carpolis, approach the podium. All right. Uh, opening segment was uh, it, it, Dan and I are going back and watching all the old SmackDowns from from episode one. And there was an opening of SmackDown. It was like the not the pilot, but the first episode where they just kept throwing guy after guy after guy at you, and everyone in it was over. They had their own distinct characteristic. And in this segment with 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 uh, MJF and Wardlow and everyone. Everybody had a role. This was a perfect attitude era, WWF old school. You're opening your show. The the runner down the ramp of Max's scarf was perfect. Uh, FTR getting their little bit in, Punk getting his where he basically said, I want to face the guy who beat me, Wardlow. So you're, you're sowing those seeds. Darby and Sting just being big stars coming out there. All that was was great. It was it was full of energy. There was there was an excitement to it. The crowd was on board for it. They knew who everybody was. You knew what stories you were telling. That's the best use of non in ring time that you can on a show. They go to the back. The Andrade Sting Darby thing. Sting was like earnest about this, where he's like, I think Andrade means business. And I'm like, they should be playing this as a joke. Andrade is talking about wanting to buy Sting's son Darby, and Sting seems genuinely worried. But it's something. They reminded you that Andrade is there. That's fine. The Wardlow blade match. The only little thing that kind of annoyed me was they made it seem like this was impromptu, but they've been advertising it for two days online. So they just have to maintain a little bit of continuity. Like Wardlow didn't know he was going to be put in a match. Uh, also, I kind of felt bad for Blade. Like the dude has like they showed his record. He's like 700 and 650 in matches. And then they just put him out there and kill him dead. Uh, I don't know. Penta in the graveyard. I like that they're leaning in on the spooky shit. 
you need some of that supernatural undertakery stuff. And if that's how you're going to get Malachi Black over, they're like anyone that's been misted has turned into something different. You have Julia Hart. You now have Penta. Build some kind of mysticism to it. It's fine. It's a different flavor of ice cream. That way, Mike has something that he wants to tune in for as opposed to just, you know, nonstop wrestling continuity. Inner circle thing is okay. Sammy came across as like a kid during his like parents' divorce which was kind of odd when he throws down his vest and he's like, well, I quit before so I can quit again. I'm going to run away from home, like pack his little backpack and go down the street. But yeah, proud and powerful. They were awesome. This was a great coming out for them as you can trust us to carry a program and, and we're going to, we're going to deliver. I've always felt they were underutilized. The, uh, the Jay White thing, when you're dealing with a mainstream audience, you're trying to bring in people who aren't watching your show you have to assume that they don't know who Jay White is. I know Jay White's name. I've seen clips of him. I couldn't tell you the, the whole arc of their story. The fact that, that he was the enemy of Kenny Omega and that bringing him in sows all this dissension between the Bucks and Adam Cole and that there was all this history of Bullet Club. I feel like I needed to go do like homework to understand why this was so important, which is That's sometimes challenging. They, they said it and you go, okay. I mean, they say that in everything. I mean, oh, you're right. No, I take it back. I was, I was wrong. Now I know everything that happened. You would be able to watch a movie or a TV show if, if they, they you, people just vaguely say shit all the time and you go, okay, this is, this is what that is. This is well, they explain, they, they mentioned it later on in you the go, you show. You invited and they were this like, guy? He fucking, but, you know, but, him and Kenny are like enemies. And it's but like, you're hey, pretending dude, that we know who this guy is and there's a whole bunch of guys on the full roster. I don't know. It, it, it felt like you're playing to a niche crowd, which is fine for that niche. He was probably super excited for it. You're not bringing in mainstream folks with that. Uh, the, well, there's the no Keith Lee... mainstream folks. Are you talking about fucking diabetics who watch America's Got Talent? Yes, I'm talking about the people that that made WWE the most profitable company ever. They're not going to watch literally wrestling. Just They're tune all heavier in than the wrestling. Shit, they tune in for oh. whatever's on TV. Uh, Keith Lee debut was cool because he was super happy to be there. It went a little longer than, than I would have liked it at, at some points, but it was good. The little jab about uh, Matt Hardy leaving in the middle of the match being erratic as a callback to what happened with Jeff was kind of was kind of odd. I think there's going to start being some tension in the AEW locker room, though, because Tony Khan came out this week and said, as we're reviewing contract renewals, you know, we kept a lot of people on because of the pandemic, and we just don't have enough money to keep everybody on going forward. So as you bring in all these guys from outside of AEW, they're they're kind of taking seats away from the, the longtime AEW folks in the in the back. And that's gonna sow a little bit of dissension. Not everyone's gonna be super excited to see these people debut all the time. I get that people are thrilled that Keith Lee is here, but Keith Lee being here realistically means that dollars are being allocated to him that are not going to be allocated towards renewals of certain people. And that kind of shit is something AEW hasn't had to deal with before. Be curious to see what happens going forward. Tony, Tony Khan is like, we can't waste money. By the way, buy your season tickets, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, man. I mean, all those other uh, large African American male wrestlers that get so much time on the show are going to be so upset. All I know is the blade is updating his resume right now. I okay, I forgot. I always forget like what's one thing that I I, I forgot to talk about. Yeah, Wardlow should not have wrestled the blade in six minutes if you're trying to get him hot for like a turn for 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 two reasons. One, you put it in picture in picture, and the whole thing is this guy could end a match at any time. So it's the company assuming that he won't be able to beat 
the blade shortly. And two, it's the blade. They, they, it is heel versus heel. It just doesn't like you're supposed to look at Wardlow still as this monster that's being fed. Like, you know, I was about to say young lions, uh, but I guess that <laughs> is what they are, not in the new Japan sense. And, you know, they're being fed to slaughter. It just doesn't work for the blade. I, I oh. thought that that was a, a misfire and, and what was otherwise a pretty great hour. But, Mike. <clears throat> I, I, I guess the real thing is you don't want him to end up being like a Goldberg, right? So you do have to have him have longer matches, unfortunately. And also, unfortunately, the Blade is like technically a veteran who can really go and probably catch a young guy and, but, and but not Scott, embarrass him on TV. But and Scott, so, I will say, I, I, I don't disagree with that. I just think that it could, A, be a baby face, be not be someone in a in a different heel faction. But I don't think you want to risk Wardlow getting booed. I think you want him to get cheered, even though you can give him a baby face. No one gives a shit about. Name a Dark Order member. Throw a dart at one of them, and that's the guy who has to go out there. Put Stu Grayson, who's talented, who can wrestle a good match with Wardlow, but the crowd's not going to be over the moon excited for Stu Grayson. They're going to be into Wardlow. Yeah, and I just yeah, don't this think is, this that. Is a fine pick. I, I just don't think that. Like to me, picture in picture sometimes feels like a burial. Maybe I'm overanalyzing it, but it's they like to, I mean, they have to make money on advertising. No, I get I get that, Dan, but also when the whole thing is this guy destroys people in a minute, and you're like, you know, it was the same with Jade and AQA. I felt the same way. If these are like monsters and the person they're being given isn't even that much of a star, and you're like, oh well, you know, they'll last through the four minutes. It just doesn't fit to me. I, I just I don't. Well, like yeah, it. but they've ended matches in. Uh, they the ended match. one. Oh, one. Okay, but that means it could happen again. Yeah, two years ago. Yeah, I mean, it, it could happen again. <laughs> I mean, look, it's like, yeah. you know, that the opening of this show was like WWE style, the people coming out and setting up a match and. It, it, it did work because we haven't seen it done to death. I, I just feel like Wardlow is very hot and the blade is less than cold. They just shouldn't be in the ring together. I would just say cold. I wouldn't go less than cold to give Blade a little props. Dude, he's, he's in the hearty office. Like, I mean, that, hey, that, that, he looks good Matt, in leather pants. I mean, Hardy, Matt, Matt Hardy is death and, and everyone associated him is worse because of it. Like Isaiah was really talented in that segment with Keith work because his talent transcends the death of Hardy. But I don't think that works. I don't think that's true of the blade. They did get better once Matt Hardy left ringside. It was magical. As soon as he vanished, like shit, these guys are awesome. Let's keep them around. Did you guys like him leaving ringside? The, the Jeff reference. I liked it. The erratic. I liked yeah. it. Yeah. yeah I just and like him I mean, not Jeff being is on television. Showing up. Because, um, I mean, right. that's the thing, too. This company's been around long enough that it's like the second that Keith Lee came out, like there are precedents now with this company. I'm like, do not go near Cody. Stay the fuck away from Cody. Because we've seen so many people now, you know, have the, one of their first programs with Cody and they become mid-carters. Like Cody is death. I want Keith to not be near that. Oh, and I do want to give a little just plug of, of how great it was. Justin Roberts, the way he introduced Keith Lee made him feel like a fucking star. That was a main event style introduction that they can put in video packages for years to come. Uh, it was it was great and it was fun seeing Keith Lee happy, which only makes Vince sadder if he knew that Keith Lee is still alive. Yeah, and by the, the way, and I the, feel like we do need to note, though, he is heavier than he was when he left WWE. Yeah, because he's happier. 
Okay, but I'm just saying that's like technically a bad thing, and he should take care. Yeah, of Yeah, I mean, once you're once cold. you get over 300, and you're that, you know, you, you worry about the guy's heart. But yeah, uh, He's all right, married, man, he ain't even know tofu at his wedding. Uh, he'll be fine. There's no catering at dark, so he'll he'll <laughs> he'll lose some weight. He's 350 pounds. All right, hour okay, two. But Mike is so specific on the details, unless it's like diet, then it's just like whatever. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, uh, you, you know, you don't throw stones at glass houses, Mister Chaplin. Hour two, FTR versus uh, CM Punk and John Moxley. Jade Cargill versus AQA, who I do think got the best match I've ever seen out of Jade Cargill. But, well, I think the referee did though. Did you listen to this, like, uh, with the volume up? no oh the ref was calling spots oh that's hilarious it was rough man i felt bad but oh, yeah you're right know that. all right forget what I just said. uh there was an adam cole in the buck segments uh, a, a serena deeb five minute challenge a uh jurassic express gun club package and a uh, fantastically fun main event between adam hangman page first lance archer with uh, an appearance from adam cole setting up uh, I guess uh, uh, Paige's next championship feud. Mike, what do you think of the second hour? Yeah, um, that tag match was really great because, I mean, you know, there's a lot of like, even if they're not thrown together and they're planned in advance of what kind of feel like all the surface meaningless tag matches on, on, on this show often. It's just an indie thing. I mean, look, they have it at WWE too. And like 90% of any Wrestle Kingdom is that. Uh, but I feel like because there was an actual stake involved of, you know, Punk getting the rematch, it added more. And plus, it's like, you know, this this could have been on a pay-per-view, like just as it was. I mean, you know, people always say how great FTR is. They were so great here. And, you know, you had Punk and Moxley. It's like, you, I, I've, I just felt like a, a swell of positivity, like seeing like how, you know, much Keith Lee was enjoying this. And then these guys who, you know what it is like, I mean, that's the thing, right? With WWE, they say like, oh, well, you get bitter or you're lazy or you don't like wrestling anymore. And these, you know, these are four ex-WWE guys that came out and wrestled a phenomenal match and worked really hard. And it was it was a blast to watch. Um, the Jade AQA thing, yeah, it went too long. The one thing I did like, and, and I hope they do it, all the time was that 20 second promo that uh, AQA had the insert. I think little shit like yeah, that goes cool. a long right, way. Like American Ninja Warrior or something. Yeah. You know what? It gives, it gives her a purpose. Now it's not just a person in the ring, you know, because then the deep challenge, you know, it is just a person in the ring. I, you know, and I wrote, uh, I think her name was like Katie Arquette. I was like, if I want to watch an Arquette get murdered in a ring, I'll go to GCW. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> but this was, I mean, this was, you know, this was uh, good. I mean, those those two things were okay. But the show overall, the crowd overall was awesome. And then you had, yeah, the main event. It, it felt like a classic Dynamite where, yeah, your women's stuff started exactly at 925. Your main event started exactly at 945. Um, you know, I I know that there's a debate going on of you know is aw doing this kind of match too much of uh, this you know blood fest kind of thing i think so um just in the sense that I, I i don't mind them and i like watching blood matches but like when there's only like two or three weeks of build and they're this bloody it just feels kind of rushed to me but 
I can't fault the work itself. The guys were like fucking great. And then, yeah. you know, you no, this, have this run this Adam Page run. It feels kind of like Bret Hart's first title run. Where give me any like, guy and I'll give you a great match. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm not the guy, but I'm gonna give you a great match. And everybody's behind him. Like everybody, including me. I mean, I love I love his work. Was behind him, but he does feel still a little bit like an afterthought. Yeah, the only one who doesn't feel behind him is the company itself in some ways. He does not feel like the centerpiece of the show. Um, you know, in the way that like even Punk and MJF felt like a big deal main event last week, th- this did not. And, you know, some of that is Archer and and, and Lambert <laughs> and just th- the reason they were fighting was stupid, you know. Um, but I liked the match a lot. It was, it was a great match. And then... Uh, you know, the fucking child came out at the end, grabbed a belt <laughs> that looked like it was bigger than him. And I just don't want to, I, I know that some of it's prejudice. I know that it's some of it's WWE programming. I have no desire at all. I'm not joking. Uh, I just don't want to see Paige and Cole in a 30 minute match. Uh, I don't want to, like, I don't want to see this I don't want to see Steve Rogers versus you know Captain America self. I don't want to see Mini Me versus Doctor Evil, um, and for thirty I minutes. With, like with I want to see Mini Me versus Doctor. Yeah, Evil. I mean, Mini versus Me versus Doctor Evil sounds yeah. kind of fun. Yeah, yeah, we saw it. It's fun. Um, not for, but not for thirty minutes, guys. Not for Troyer. Mini Me, by the way. For <laughs> yeah. Troyer, it would be very but sad. I, just, I think that it's like help to go to the bathroom. It would be really rough. But you know, it's like you had Paige against Omega and then against Brian, right? So he's beaten two of like the best in ring guys ever, let alone absolutely now in these like Matt classics. Then he beats this dude in a fucking death match. And now I have to watch a, a guy who is just unimpressive. <laughs> um, Michael, and, but. And, and he's the, and, but the thing is, Cole's the heel. I'm having to guess how Paige is going to overcome well this. I, I'm right, Scott, interested you want to step in? Because, Scott, you know, step so, in here. Okay, yeah. So he he told Jay White, you know, or well, he told the Young Bucks, when you're Bullet Club, you're Bullet Club for life. Hangman was Bullet Club. So Cole walks out there and just puts the belt on his shoulders. He didn't attack him. He didn't tell him he hates him. He didn't disrespect him. Um, maybe the storyline is going to be, no, man, you're – you're a friend of mine. And then this also kind of makes the Young Bucks thing more confusing along with, oh, you know, uh, Undisputed Era is here. What the fuck are they doing here? Jay White's here. What is he doing here? It's like, you, you were supposed to hold the fort down with us and you're letting in guys that we don't trust. Where the fuck have you been, dude? We don't trust any of these people. We have issues with these people. Kenny's going to be pissed. We're going to get screwed over. And it's like, Adam Cole is acting like, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. These are just our friends. Or does he know? That's what we're going to find out in the storyline. And I think part of this storyline is going to be, hey, Hangman, we're really cool. You know, Bullet Club for life. Too sweet me, bro. And then, you know, we'll see heel shit leak out. And who knows? Maybe he'll become a babyface during this. I don't know. Boom is over. So that is a babyface thing. It's fun. And even like the Jay White thing. So, you, you know, when you end the show with that, yes, I think Jay White should have like come out and shit, you know, Um but at the bare minimum, because in, if they pull if they pull the trigger on this and it's like a big deal and it, and, it, and it involves Omega eventually and all this stuff, it'll be an amazing storyline and they'll tell it. But even at the bare minimum, if it's just Jay White showing up this week, it still fits the narrative of, oh, Adam Cole is randomly inviting people 
to come hang out, not realizing that we have issues and now we have to oh, watch our fucking backs. Yeah, that's, that's now we have to watch our backs. And so it's like, even if Jay White doesn't show up next week, he could show up in five months and fuck Kenny and go, oh, remember him? It's cool. It's good shit. Bare minimum, it's fucking dope, boys. Yeah, the bare minimum. Let's give it up for AEW Dynamite, one of the best episodes ever. <laughs> one of the Let best episodes Scott, of Dynamite Scott. ever. Bare minimum is also what Adam Cole refuses to do at the gym. You spent five minutes <laughs> talking about him as a baby face, but not his fucking baby body. Okay. Hashtag short like, people to people too. That's the actual problem of that he does not look like a physical threat. Go to the same gym John Silver goes to or Daniel Bryan. I don't mind short guys. He looked terrible holding the belt. Dude, he's he's a pup, man. He's scrappy do, and he can go. No, Mike wants him doing steroids. <laughs> Dude, also, you're gonna compare him to Scrappy. Scrappy do fucking sank that franchise, bitch. <laughs> I remember Scrappy do being kind of fun when I was a kid. But I, I think don't the remember. '80s sank the franchise. It was just over, man. So you, you take know? your puppy power and you shove it up your ass. <laughs> well, dude, man, that lariat. What a what a moment, and what a, what a great thing for them to remove the top rope so he can't do his finisher. That match, because I, I I agree with. I was looking at the Facebook thread, and someone was like, "Oh no, twelve minutes for a main event, like." And I was like, yeah, this is going to suck. This doesn't feel right. And it felt so good. It felt like a 45-minute match. They gave it their all. It, it was just a blast. It, it was so damn cool. And you got, like, three highlight moments, like AEW history highlight moments. The, the buckshot lariat off of the ref, which is a hangman moment, like, for life. Um, and then when Archer freaking threw him onto the steel stairs. Holy oh, shit. Oh, that was amazing. Whoa. I, I'm going to... I'm going to watch that once we end this podcast. I'm going to rewatch that match. That's how good it was. And we were not expecting that. I think that's what's also so awesome about, I mean, AEW in general. I was, like, I, he nearly fucked, like, he nearly didn't make it too. So, I mean, it was, it was great. We, it, is some credibility lost by the fact that the other wrestlers don't address Adam Cole's size and just act like they're intimidated by him? I think, well, if the hangman feud is a bitter thing and it's not this bullshit thing I pitched, um, I would think hangman might call him a little shit or something. Because, I mean, the reality, once you call Samoa Joe fat, he's less intimidating. Yeah, it's like when John Cena acknowledged Cesaro's nipples. Okay, maybe, but but keep in mind, when Sean was champion years ago and he feuded with Sid, the whole storyline was about Sid making fun of Sean for being small. You never Robert, discounted what do you think Sean. Robert, the second hour after this? Sorry. Um, yeah, sorry. So that, uh, the OP, yeah, the tag match, the FTR, Punk and Moxley thing was was a lot of fun. Uh, those guys were having fun. The, the small nitpicky thing was driving me nuts. There was a live mic that kept going off that from a production end, they should have figured out how to fucking fix that. I don't, <laughs> I don't think Punk is sloppy sometimes, but that, that's just me. Oh, no, Punk, yeah, Punk, look, the, the match felt like a house show match. There was a lot of segments were like spots within this that they just wanted to go and have fun it's like the back-to-back with them both getting punched them both fighting back the back-to-back doing finishing moves tully going in there and hitting him with the jacket and punk trying not to laugh it was just it was meant to be fun and it was fun i i did see some people online upset not upset but slightly disappointed that it was moxley because you were teasing a mystery a partner and people were convinced it was going to be joe and Tony Khan has now kind of conditioned the audience that there's always going to be a surprise. So he gave you Jay White, he gave you Keith Lee, and people still 
wanted more. They're like, well, I thought this was going to be Joe and, and Punk together and that would be awesome. And that's like, you didn't get it. And some people were kind of frustrated by that. And but Robert, Moxley doesn't drink anymore. Who else is he going to hang out with? I was going to say, this is, this is team water. Um, I said the, designated pile drivers. <laughs> I like that. Uh, the women's match happened around 930. So it was perfect, except the match happened. Uh, AQA, they gave her the little video package, which was fine. Crowd had no idea what the fuck to do. They didn't know if they should cheer her or boo her because they can't hear the commentary Jade's a face, talking about. Man. Jade, no, Jade's a, Jade is Goldberg, but the problem is you need to put Goldberg in minute-long matches. You're exposing her by being in there. She should not have made it to a commercial break. The extending this match any longer was, was death. They established on commentary that AQA has a shooting star press that's worth seeing, and the crowd was dead for this match until she hit that. They kind of woke up, and then they just wanted to see Jade kill this girl in the end. Uh, the, the Bucks and Cole thing was fine to explain the Jay White, Kenny Omega arch enemy thing. Cause I didn't really know that it felt like if you read comic books, you generally avoided the annuals and this felt like, Oh, this was something that was in the annual and you didn't remember this. <laughs> um, then you go from one women's match where they don't know who someone is to Serena Deeb versus Katie Arch, uh, Katie Arquette, which was a, another dead match. At least it was a minute. It's a it good bit. A it's a good bit, do. but you don't it, do it yeah. back to back. Yeah. Don't do back-to-back matches where I know who one person is. I don't know who the other person is. No, Robert's um, going, don't do women back-to-back. That's what he's saying. And that's allowed. No, he's saying a squat. He's saying like you kind can't, of don't Give the crowds, give uh, uh, someone to know who they know who it is. It's two matches in a row where you know who's winning. You know who's losing. You knew Jade was winning before the match started. You knew Serena was winning before the match started. They were both facing people the audience had never seen before, except... This was supposed to be a rookie challenge where you've never seen this person wrestle and they immediately bury their own gimmick by saying, well, we saw Katie Arquette wrestle on AEW Dark, but I guess she's still a rookie. Uh, don't do that shit. The main event was fucking awesome. Uh, we knew it was going to be awesome. We knew the build was going to be terrible. I, I did, actually. I was a little nervous. But... I, I, Archer can deliver this kind of match. We've seen him do it before yeah. with Moxley. It's You put he, him in his wheelhouse. This wasn't going to be a, a submissions match. He is the king of, let's start this at 948 deathmatch. Yeah, and that's <laughs> fine. Uh, a, a thing that the AEW should do to distinguish themselves from WWE they should make their main events commercial free. You can get it sponsored by State Farm, put a bug in the bottom corner and say, this match is brought to you by State Farm. And then there's no interruption because there that would go. be a lot more fun. Uh, taking away the top rope, I, like it made Lambert seem smart for the first time ever. You're like, oh, this totally makes sense that you're taking away the guy doing the buckshot. It, it set up a little bit of drama. That was cool. The blood, it works for Hangman because it constantly makes him seem like he's at a disadvantage. And, and Mike, he addressed the controversy by tweeting, I'm sick of bleeding once a month, which is really funny. Um, it was, he's, he's self-aware. The Jake Roberts thing where he tried to go for the DDT and, and Archer got pissed at him was kind of a neat little story. Uh, the fork spot was whatever it was. But what about that uh, Dan Flash's shirt that Jake Roberts is wearing? <laughs> that shirt was amazing. Uh, and yeah, Scott, you're right. That that blackout onto the steel steps where he bounces Ooh. looked amazing. The buckshot over the referee was was awesome. Uh, and then Adam Cole came out at the end, which would have been fine as, as an interesting what's going to happen, except Adam Cole earlier said, I got to go out there and make an impact. So he was like, Chekhov's Cole. Like, you knew he was going to show up at some point. You're but just that was an impact that he didn't attack, right? It would have been, he didn't need to say it in advance. It's not no, like. No, no, no. But see, so so here's the uh, story. Wrong. So, yeah. so 
So no, no, no. But they do another promo backstage where he tells the Bucks, "Hey, Jay White is gonna have your back on Rampage this Friday. That's, I gotta go do something or whatever." That's what I said. He's like, "I gotta go make an impact." It's like, yes, you don't yes, have to reveal so, that you're gonna show up in the no, main well, event. Well, no, then because, you're like waiting for it. It would have been more interesting well, if he just came out there well, and you're like. What's what's Adam Cole doing here? What's he going to do as opposed to you knew he was going to come out there and the no, injury, no, no, but he didn't attack him. They're, they're making it clear that he's going, hey, Jay White is here. He's got your backs. I'm going to go chase the title like it's it's a deceptive thing. It's it's hey, God, like he shouldn't be going to chase the title. That's Omega's title. You know what I mean? No, and Adam Cole should have so, gone to go find so, out what happened to Bobby Fish's so strands he goes, hey, Jay because White's he's just not there back. anymore. Cause I can't have your back at the moment. I'm chasing the title. It's, it's not what they were supposed to do. And again, it's dope. Is it Watch weird that like, Watch Fish and o- like, it's weird it's that Fish and O'Reilly seem to have just vanished. I get the Kyle O'Reilly's on paternity leave. That's fine. But paternity. Bobby Fish can, right. But it's not like he, Bobby Fish is like his ride and he can't go there otherwise. No, he, you, he's you, helping him. He's a good Robert. friend. He's the au pair. They're taking Robert. turns. Yeah. They're he's taking the wet nurse. On the baby. Listen, Robert, we saw Bobby Fish got caught by Greg Valentine and George Animals. There it is. Um, all right, folks. For, since it's Valentine's Day, I thought this would be kind of fun to, to put on the 10, uh, the, oh, sorry, aces and eight count. Uh, I will unfortunately be having to leave after the segments. Uh, I apologize. Premium live events and high spot, low spot uh, are going to have to go on without me. Uh, my low spot, by the way, is Tony Khan not running for Congress. But Sportsters wrestling couples list. I'm going to read <laughs> off. This is this is from 2022. The latest wrestling couples list. These are the top 10 couples right now in professional wrestling. Guys, interrupt anytime you want. Based on what work rate? Uh, based on this list, I have no idea. Sportster, the 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 uh, the brain trusted Sportster. Is, um, it's got an AEW on this because that is unconditional love. <laughs> That's a well, one, one of the best affair. episodes, and you got and your and your guys' criticisms were weak. They weren't criticism. We lit- I literally said the opening segment was one of the best opening segments they ever did. They had a fantastic tag. Know, they had a fantastic to, main I, event. And I pointed out some negative things. No, you didn't. You're like yes, Jade Cargill's entrance could have been slightly longer. No, I didn't say that. I'm just you're thinking it now. Yeah. Like, you know, it she should have yeah, you more pointed out negative it. things the way that like Kim Jong un speechwriter is like, I would have loved it if it was even longer. <laughs> Why wasn't the buddy with the blade? <laughs> <laughs> All right, sportsters wrestling couple list. Uh guys, interrupt whenever you want. Number 10, Nick Aldis. And Mickey James. This for me is the most impressive relationship because uh, they're married and still doing indie bookings. That's like two Uber Eats drivers dating. So I'm glad they're on the list. Um, this is, I mean, this is a sitcom, right? The British guy and the Southern. This is just Green Acres. <laughs> it, it is. Number nine. And this is our most 1970s professional wrestling marriage. Jimmy Uso and Naomi. Get a girl who'll drive you home. <laughs> yeah, that's what he needs to do. He's not. <laughs> no, number eight, Cody and Brandy, uh, the ultimate heel couple. They're what they want to be Chris Teagan, Chrissy Teagan, and John Legend, but they're both Chrissy Teagan. Um, okay, okay, Cody and Brandy. Like I'm, I'm watching the Pam and Tommy uh, show on Hulu now, which is a lot of fucking fun. Cody and Brandy are the people that would release their own sex tape and be upset no one was talking about it. <laughs> you imagine the production value on that? 
I, mean, I, just, I, I, I just love it's exactly the same, but instead of Tommy Lee's dick, it's just like a very tiny one. But it's no, all it's, the same thing. It's QT thing. in a costume. They're on a boat. They're on a boat. <laughs> yeah, but it's also less selling because it's brandy. <laughs> I mean, it would still be hotter than Joni and Sean Waltman. But who told you my pussy was open mic night? all right number seven adam cole and Britt baker this is probably my favorite wrestling couple um and uh that's probably because they're not married as soon as they get married the chances of them being in a dark side of the ring episode dramatically increase well jerry lawler's just happy that someone else is dating a child number six the miz and maurice um look man i give this marriage a lot of credit just because they have to sit through whatever the other person does. And that's love, man. I mean, that's a lot of love. You know, they've got a lot of side businesses that are painful to listen to. I, I a reality show. Think that they are what Brandy and Cody want. Like their show is much better and they pull off the heel couple stuff better. Number five, Brian Danielson and Brie Bella. Um, they're a cool couple, um, but they also have a lot of money. So I think it's like easy for a couple with a lot of money to be pretty cool. Their entire know. relationship, it reminds me of like the one scene in Endgame where Gwyneth Paltrow is talking about composting in a cabin somewhere. <laughs> and that would be fucking annoying after about 15 minutes. Oh, the couple dates have got to suck with those two. Also, uh, also, um, wasn't Brit with Cole on TV for two weeks and then that's just gone now too? Yeah, she got replaced by Jay White. Did you not know <laughs> that Jay White and Adam Cole dated in New Japan? Yeah, Do the he, reading, he, Mike. He took her leather jacket. You didn't see? <laughs> Number four, Undertaker and Michelle McCool. This feels like a couple where- That sounds it, like bullshit. That's like, yeah, oh, that Undertaker, like-, like, oh, Undertaker's one of the best ever, so he has to be top. Five. No, he doesn't actually. He, no, did he you had see that? Sarah tattooed on his neck. Fuck Hold off, on. Did, Scott, have you not seen the picture from like People magazine where they're like baking in their kitchen? It's so it's more it's more unnerving to see Undertaker as a real person than as the dead man. Like he's in the really nice kitchen with a mixer and there's a bag of flour and there's kids around. It's fucking disturbing. This feels like the couple if like you're a hobo who wanders on their property and you see Taker. And you run from him, and then you're relieved to see Michelle McCool, but she's the one that kills you, you know? I mean, this, yeah, this is like, I mean, is number one Sable in the bucket of tears she cries into? No, the no, number one, you guys are going to, you guys. Okay, are but I, I, I will, I'll say just this, like, hey, Mark, my parents are coming over for dinner. There is no Mark. There is only Taker. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number three, uh, to, you know, in in seamless transition from from Mike's tears uh, comment, Brock and Sable. That's number Ooh. three, which no. is. I mean, I feel like just once a month she just leaves food for him on the porch like an outdoor cat, but I don't know. I, I, I think she tries <laughs> to give hints. She's like, Alexa, play Queens. I want to break free, and Brock's like, What's that queer music? <laughs> <laughs> how do you go from johnny be bad to vince to to brock like that is a strange pivot yeah from from johnny be bad to brock be possessive <laughs> I, I have noticed a thing when when got when possessive guys uh get a hot girl 
they go like, well, time to move to the woods. <laughs> you notice that? It's like, no one's hitting on her. Get the fuck out of here. I'm not having a nervous yeah. breakdown every day. Yeah, but, yeah, but Brock's a Saskatchewan nine, you know? <laughs> but yeah. Scott, it's also because the deer are too afraid to dial 911. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Number two, Triple H and Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this was sponsored by WWE. This list, uh, she definitely are, that genuine. is a legit power couple. Like, I mean, historically, let's step back. It's yeah. insane. And, oh, it and insane. When, when was this list made? Because up until a few months ago, uh, I think we it was made, they were gonna... it was made. It was made pretty. It was made. It was, it was the earliest one I had. So sometime. Okay. Well, well re- regardless, uh, up until recently, we thought they were taking over this. You know the wwe we thought they were taking it over and it was going to be theirs one day i mean uh, they are that you know historically important for the you know the these 20 years or whatever seems like it's over for them but yeah look the look, weird thing about that one to call out the credibility of sportster.com but <laughs> i feel like this list was made when someone googled wrestlers with each other because like save all hasn't done anything since 2003 <laughs> she she's one uh she is a victim more than anything but she's not a wrestler we yeah, don't know like the jerry lawler really and the like, cat guys she could really like the wilderness we don't know she's older than brock she has a she has more wisdom about the world it's not like she's some you know young uh you know young sprite he picked up being in the woods keeps her away from vince and i think that's really all that matters but the, <laughs> well, the nice thing is like Hunter, Hunter and Stephanie genuinely love each other. It's weird being around them when they were like a normal couple. And it was kind of unknown. Like, I just kind of assumed this was like a showbiz marriage kind of thing. But they're like nauseatingly cute when they're around each other. And uh, it, it's going to be. Uh, she wears gonna... a Lenny shirt when they when they smash. I think oh, she they have, a they have fucked with the second kid. Yeah. No. Yeah, I don't know. But but Triple H definitely calls it smash. <laughs> you want to smash, babe? We, we we definitely know what's getting water spat at the end of. The- <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I also, <laughs> I also just like? imagine Sable. You know, like how she had the hand prints on on her boobs. Now it's just elk blood. <laughs> uh, number number one, the number one wrestling couple. What do you guys? Who do you guys think it is? It Randy Savage and, and Miss Elizabeth. It's Vincent and Linda. Damn it's right. Kurt. It's well, current one. If it was a modern one. So they are the yeah. Bill and Hillary of WWE. Um, look, that's man. That's what they said. That's a bad thing, though. We know. No, I know. Much. That's what I said. Uh, look, I mean, say what you want about Vince. He has yeah, one's charismatic, the other one ran for Congress. It kind of lines up. <laughs> he, he hasn't. He Scott, hasn't, Scott is he hasn't like, done the embarrassing Jeff heard. Bezos thing yet. Scott so. is like, have they not heard of Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, take it away. What do you think about our? What do you think about this number one? And more importantly, what do you think about the list? I think Booker T and Charmel got snubbed. They should be on there. Oh, they look yeah. like a genuinely for sure. For sure. Uh, Edge and Beth Phoenix. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Damn Punk and AJ. Matt Hardy uh, and Lita. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Robert right. in the job that treated him like crap. That he's still... <laughs> you got to be more specific, Mike. Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of Robert, and I'm going to have to step off here. Robert is going to take over our premium live event segment, and then he is also going to uh, host High Spot, Low Spot, and Segway Mike's Twitterverse. So I'll see you all next week for a fun episode. All right. <laughs>
so yeah, so per premium current with live, whatever the hell for fuck we're calling the segment, I already forgot. Uh, the, the thing that I had said was the big story in WWE right now was that locker room morale is at an all time low and they solved it by bringing in Goldberg. Uh, this was yet another reason why this company has absolutely no idea what the hell they're they're doing in terms of their locker room. They're they're playing to a very weird specific mainstream audience that they think is out there that is clamoring to see not only a Goldberg return, but Goldberg in the main event of this Elimination Chamber pay-per-view taking on Roman Reigns for the title. And it has to be so disheartening if you are in the WWE right now and you're Big E or Nakamura or AJ Styles or anybody else who theoretically could be elevated to a main event. Of who was in the Rumble? Pretty much anybody in the Rumble. <laughs> but it's like you're you're out there every week killing yourselves to try to 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 get over, which was the the logic for so many years in the business. And now all they really care about is mainstream names and stars from the past right now all the stars from the past are in aew anybody that theoretically can still work is is in aew when we go back and watch old shows you're like oh look there's gold dust there's billy gunn they're all in or chris jericho they're all in aew they can all still work rock ain't showing up for for anything other than one wrestlemania in about a year and change steve austin can't go anymore uh, Hunter's heart will explode if he tries to wrestle. Undertaker's retired. There's only so many wells left to go to. And they go with Goldberg. Goldberg, who wasn't a good wrestler in his prime and is significantly worse now, and then had a quote this week where he said, at 70%, I'm still better than 90% of the roster. So there is no reason for any of these guys that are currently on the WWE roster to try or care. And they made the most money they ever made, they revealed at, at the end of 2021, because you're leaning on the, the recyclables and you're headlining WrestleMania with two mainstream UFC stars and Brock Lesnar and Ronda Rousey, which is the right decision if you are a publicly traded company. But you're going to Saudi Arabia on a show that's being sold by an elimination chamber with Brock Lesnar, where people have what to care about. You have a women's elimination chamber with a surprise entrant. You're, you're putting Lita on the show. You could have brought back Goldberg and put him in a, a lesser role in a fun match where he could actually help somebody out. Instead, you're you're wheeling out this old man who almost you know broke the Undertaker's neck uh, in terms of how sloppy and reckless and, and and shitty he is, and you're putting him in there with Roman Reigns, who now has to pretend to sell that he's scared of Goldberg. And it's just a, a sad indictment of what the hell is going on in the WWE right now that they have no faith in anyone that's in their locker room. And we can rattle off 15, 20 guys who, if given the right opportunity, they would succeed. And, and I picked this before we, we watched Dynamite, but we saw it on Dynamite. Keith Lee was a, a very much once in a generation kind of talent with the charisma that he has, what he can deliver in ring. And he looked so happy and, and vibrant and excited to be in there in Dynamite, which is how he felt in NXT for a while until they sucked the life out of him. And the problem with the WWE is they're sucking the life out of everybody that's left. And eventually they're going to run out of guys. And I feel like that's why the, the locker room is in the state that it's in. Uh, so, you know, Vince, please continue to send me my checks. I love you. See, the you great Valentine anything. joke was uh, correct. That was 16 minutes. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I mean, yeah, I, I, I agree. Question. When Goldberg came out, did they react? 
oh, they reacted like this was Goldberg of 1999. And he told Roman, you're next. And Roman looked genuinely like, oh, shit. Uh, On the same show where Big E, former world champion, and Kofi, former world champion, took on Los Lotharios in a tag match. Yeah, man, it's kind of, it just, it it feels like a bizarre world now. It's, WWE is something else. It's almost like pay-per-views or or premium events are like... um, are, are like are like something you'd go to at like Universal Studios. It, there, there's something that that's it, impact. It's just odd. It's like it's like are we having holograms wrestle each other? It's like very like oh wait, if I go to this event, I get to see all of the presidents. Like it, it's booked so weird. It doesn't feel current or anything. It feels like uh, it feels like literally like the Ringling Brothers Circus, where it's like it comes here and you have like you do have the stars of from the beginning and now and whatever, and we're like. It just, it's very odd to me. It feels like triple A almost. Like when it's like, oh, this is a 65 year old guy weeping. And then there's like a 40 year old guy and there's no young guys. Oh, there's two young guys. Like it's just, it's odd, man. It feels very commercial and goofy. It's they're playing everything over the top safe with, and they have no, no faith whatsoever in anybody that's on their, their current roster, the way they're promoting their new video game. Uh, 2k22 which has you know young whippersnapper ray mysterio on the cover the ad is basically just all the legends you can play as undertaker or randy savage or china or booker t and they they just assume that you know everybody out there is mike and has no idea who's on the current roster well it's also because you know like as as, as the guy who gets all those games uh they that's often like the DLC too, where it's like you get you get the current when you buy the game for the retail price of like sixty dollars, you get all of the current people, but then it costs extra to get like the NWO and guys like that because they know it's like well if we did it the other way around. <laughs> I mean, it was interesting to me is that comment like at my seventy percent, I'm better at most. Like this is like Steiner math to me. He's like. My 70% is better than my, they're 100%, but my 70% is actually 30% of everyone else's 50%. <laughs> and it's not like he's coming in as a heel who's going to get flattened by somebody. He's coming in as the baby face and everybody just kind of has to swallow this. And, and this is, this is what's really funny to me. Like the way that they like, you know, uh, pre- presented this is that like, you know, they're like this match was supposed to happen two years ago but then the world changed like of all the things we've lost in the pandemic is anyone sad about roman reigns and goldberg are people like you know what i've got it over my grandma but i really still need to see spear versus spear like no no one gives a shit (laughs) no and the match is gonna be awful uh it's gonna be roman's gonna try as best as he can but Honestly, who cares? Because it's a bought and paid for show. It's not like you're selling tickets to Saudi Arabia. And if the Saudi royal family only cares about, they want the biggest names that are possibly available. You're already giving them Brock. You're bringing back, you're giving them all the names of who they should realistically care about. Goldberg on the card, fine. You want to have him team up with Drew McIntyre against Madcap Moss and, and Happy Corbin? Great. You don't put him in the world title match going into WrestleMania because it's a giant middle finger to a locker room that's trying really hard to get over and they're getting no opportunity to do so. Yeah, and, and, you know, the, the Saudi stuff, like, it, it's 
it's gross anyways but it's also if you did it and it wasn't like i mean obviously they're paying for it to be televised and advertised and all that stuff but if it wasn't it would be like fine like you know, you always hear that story of like Jacques Rougeau paying Hogan to job in Montreal for like like fifty thousand dollars. Like he just paid him. He's like, This is my hometown. I need these people to love and respect me. Here's money, let me pin you. And he did it and it's fine because it was an untelevised event. Like that's what this like this show should just be that. Have Monsoor beat everyone in nine different matches consecutively. Just don't put it on TV. <laughs> And because especially in February where you already are building your mania plans and then this shit like comes up and, and messes with it and everything it like, I'm glad I don't think there's a fast lane show, right? It's this and then mania. So that's good. Like you don't need more and more pay-per-views. You should be like confident in where you're leaving from the rumble into mania. But this, I think is just like, it gets in the way and the Goldberg thing. I mean, I am amazed slash disappointed that the fans still do give that pop because it's not special anymore we have seen this guy a lot <laughs> you know oh yeah no he, he doesn't he shouldn't mean anything anymore but he's the he's the only well that they can go back to in terms of a true part-timer from that era who still looks presentable with a shirt off but how much of that do you think is because he's just not on tv looking like a geek like everyone else every week yeah, but when he's on TV, he looks like a geek. But when he comes back, they, he only goes into main event programs. He comes back, he wrestles Lashley. He comes back, he wrestles The Undertaker. He comes back, he wrestles Brock. It's, it's, it's the positioning that he's given. And you know that he's coming in there to lose. And you know that it's, he's on a contract. This is supposedly his last match on this current contract. We'll fucking see. I'm sure they're going to re-sign him for another, you know, eight years. Because, like, I mean, perception is everything, right? Like... One of the main reasons I think that Brock has had the the star power that he's had, or at least the illusion of it, is that he hasn't wrestled on TV, right? Every other dude does fucking gauntlet matches and shit. And like, you know, AJ and Mysterio are out there, you know, on free TV doing 20 minutes or whatever. And Brock hasn't even been in like a three minute squash. Like he wrestled Kofi for six seconds. And, and so he comes off more. Like I always say like MJF not being on rampage is the best thing you could do to make MJF look like a star. And certain old guys, you don't need to make stars like sting in AEW feels so selfless in what he does. And the fact that WWE had him and did nothing with him, they had to have him lose to Hunter. And then, you know, I know what happened with Rollins and he hurt himself and whatever, but like, they were just like, all right, we're done with you. We could use you and you're viable and you still have energy and you still have name presence and recognition. We're just never going to fucking use you because you were not one of our original guys. But yet Goldberg, who was booked terribly during his first WWE run, they keep bringing him back and they keep making him Superman because they think that it matters and it really doesn't, but they've depleted everybody else that they have right now where everybody is is at a, a level of Robert Roode. You know, you know what's amazing, too, is that, like, you look like like Sting and Darby should be on that best couples list because Sting literally came back. The first thing he did was, like, point to Darby, and he's like, I want to I be with you. And then they just have been. Like, it's really sweet. <laughs> Like he, remember because remember like that first night it was like cody was like you know they had a face off and stuff and you and they haven't interacted yet because you know sting's still over but it, it's it's just interesting to me that it's like oh that's real love 
it is it is sweet uh what's what's also sweet is our our twitter question of the week uh so uh that's right king of segway segways is here uh mike uh what do you got for us i have um this was a fun one um you know uh let me just open it up and and i i will you know we never uh tell how the sausage is made but i i will say um a few few tips and tricks if you want your answer read. One, don't use pictures. We can't read pictures. We can only talk about looks when it's Greg Valentine's face. Um, <laughs> and, or damn with uh, anyone's wardrobe. And, you know, also I would say look, look at other people's answers sometimes. Uh, because sometimes, like, I won't read one because I found, you know, I got seven versions of it. So, you know... Uh, and also, if this does mean something for you to have your answer read, look at your life and and, and see how you could fix it. Uh, <laughs> but that said, uh, this is the question of the week. Tell us something that will happen in the world before Veer finally makes his debut on Raw. So here we go at Huskers88. Uh, QT Marshall will finally be a guest on our show. <laughs> at MD Law, Saudi Arabia gives Dave Meltzer the Khashoggi treatment for criticizing WWE booking. <laughs> that, that I don't agree with that. Khashoggi was a journalist. Um, at Dave Caffarel, we find out what happened to the turnbuckle that failed Finn Balor. <laughs> at Steve Lurie, Dan's Dogs will host an episode of the podcast Roasting Matilda. Patreon only, of course. <laughs> at Jerry Butt Casual, he ends up making his MLW debut instead. <laughs> By the bastard. way, we will always read the most realistic answer. <laughs> at A Santos3421, Mike Lawrence will be revealed as the higher power. It was me, Scott. It was me all along. <laughs> at Chris Economidis, WWE will finally pay health insurance for their roster. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Veer and coming um, at at uh, Gabe Th uh, three Sage Dan will subscribe and unsubscribe to the Wrestling Observer five times over <laughs> at BS Jim eight three seven gas will be two dollars QT will win the world title Scott will make a negative comment about AEW and the clouds will open up and Skittles will rain upon us. <laughs> At SmartNado1, Vince and Jim, uh, Vince Russo and Jim Cornette patch things up over a joint. Um, and finally, at Hainong underscore man, solar luminosity will be 10% higher than at present, resulting in a runaway evaporation of the oceans. Plate tectonics and the entire carbon cycle will come to an end. The magnetic dynamo may seize, causing the magnetosphere to decay and a loss of the outer atmosphere. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Forbidden Dorks, the best fans in all of uh, professional wrestling podcasts. We we thank you for your contributions, and for now a full year. Yes, for a full year. It's it's hard to believe it's been a year of uh, of wrestle roasts. Uh, that that in and of itself is a high spot. But we'll get to high spots and low spots now. Scott, uh, you've been quiet for a little bit. We'll start with you. High spot or low spot? Uh, both. Give us both. Okay, my low spot is not knowing it was the one year. I did not know this. This is fantastic. I, I think we got a damn good pod. I think we do a damn good job. 
That kind of rhymes, right? Um, no. Yeah, no. It's I, I, I wish I knew. I, 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 um, I wish we had like a party. Maybe we could do a party on the Patreon. The party is just we'll eat cake by ourselves. It's just an excuse for us to buy snacks and we could eat while we talk and chew. Chew into the microphone. I also, I feel like this is like you've never forgotten an anniversary before. You're not very good at covering this up. <laughs> what was your low spot, Scott? Oh, your low spot wasn't knowing, or do you have a? a yeah, that's yet? my low spot. Oh, okay. Dude, my high spot is um. One second, I'll pull it up. I just had it. Where is it? Oh, it was this Will uh, Will Osprey. I, I just want to get the guys. Oh yeah, Michael Oku. Okay, yeah. So the match is from like a week and a half ago, but it's a uh, Rev Pro in the UK. And it's this fucking main event with Will Ospreay versus Michael Oku that is so damn good. Robert, you'll love this. This is, uh, this is emotional. Michael Oku's girlfriend is in the front row and she acts her ass off. It is so well done. Such a great match. Well, uh, just such a, such a highlight of, uh, of watching wrestling, wrestling recently where I went like, oh shit, yeah, this is why I like this so much. Uh, things like this it, it is such an awesome match i even think mike would would love it it's just so entertaining and super focused on a story and it's a well-told story and and osprey is like definitely the best wrestler in the world right now so that's my high spot mike what's your high spot low spot my high spot you know uh i think the keith lee thing uh it was just a feel-good moment it was a fun match um it was one of those like surprises that you know sometimes the best surprise is one that you kind of expect i you know i feel that way with you know daniel brian and and, and cole and all that it's like people want to know you know and punk and it's like here they are um and i think it's like it, it feels rare especially with the Co- tony Khan tweet and then this revealed and everyone was like cool with it like it, it kind of feels nice that like all of wrestling internet or for the most i'm sure there's some contradiction but like for the most part it feels unanimous that this is a really special talented guy that we're all happy to see doing what he loves at a, at a high level and and that's cool like that is ultimately you know aw to me it's like you know i feel as it used to be the whole thing of like all you know wwe cast offs and all of that but but now wwe mishandles so much talent that you're happy when they leave like and and another company can entice them just by saying we'll treat you like a person yes aw is now sam montenegro (laughs) yeah um so so that would be my my low spot would be um i think i'm already like less interested in in the aw action figures i i uh i saw uh the the newest wave at a target um and and and, you know it's like i think they i think they made a mistake a little bit of like the new santana and ortiz objectively look way better than the old ones but the old ones were only like six months ago and i bought them i'm not gonna buy like two of this character you know there was like that's what's amazing about action figures. If you're a wrestling fan and action figure collector, it really makes you look at every character and be like, 
should I spend, is this $25? Like, should I spend this? Like in Ty Conte, like I saw her, the figure looked fine. I'm like, she's barely on TV. Like, you know, I got Nyla Rose. I got Britt. I'm like, I don't need her. I'll get Jade. You know, it's like, and they just did like the dark order. And it's like, well, who's your Sammy figure going to be next to? (laughs) I have, but I I have a Pam figure. So (laughs) I'm all good there. Yeah. When, 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 when Sammy yesterday was like, guys, we got to stick together. Pam was like, oh, really motherfucker? (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag justice for Pam. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm team. Are you guys team Pam? I'm team Pam. Uh, I genuinely feel bad for her. Like she got proposed to on television and then, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, she should have been figures, watching his vlog. These figures, you know, the, the, the Brody Lee looks incredible. I also, it's like, I can't get a Stu Grayson, man. I, you know, I, I, I got to use that money for something else. Even, even if it's a, you know, a Skeletor figure, but still. You sound like Tony <laughs> Khan reviewing the contracts. That's why I love and, this. And, if there was one, you know, because like the thing with action, the last thing I'll say, and I know I'm probably being boring, but the thing with action figures is that a lot of times they use the same body parts, right? But the one figure that they should have made a unique mold of that I know it has some reuse to it is, is John Silver. There's a John Silver figure out. No one else looks like that guy. <laughs> that guy has the most unique body ever and it's like very clear that it's used body parts and, and it's like come on aw step it up uh that was that was uh mike's action figure corner which actually was i enjoyed the hell out of it. that was fun we should, we should do that <laughs> next week ridiculous. when we do uh, aces and eight count uh my uh i'll do my low spot first is you know i gotta start with negativity uh mine were two first was lowest rated raw ever <laughs> which was disappointing because the main event that they gave you was RK bro versus Rollins and Owens, which Dan and I on something to sports entertainment with have talked about for a while. We assumed was going to be a WrestleMania match. And instead it was a thrown together unadvertised thing on the lowest raw show ever. Those guys were really entertaining. It was fun. They certainly deserve a lot better. My other low spot uh, the Oscar nominations came out and Aaron Sorkin was not nominated for best screenplay for being the Ricardos, which pisses me off because I am an unquestionable Sorkin mark in the way that Mike's upset that Spider-Man was not nominated for best picture. He's right. It should have been nominated over Dune. Dune is super fucking boring. Uh, my high spot a year ago, we started wrestle roast before that we were total to doing the total F and Mark show on our last episode of total F and marks. We were talking about the Royal rumble and we were joined by Lance Storm. And it was announced this week that Lance Storm uh, is going to be a producer at Impact. And while we don't cover Impact on this show, and sometimes it's just kind of a thing that happens that we we ignore, uh, Lance, in addition to being a, a friend of this show, has an incredible mind for the business. He's really good at making wrestlers better. The people who he's trained have always over-delivered in the industry. And I think it was a really smart hire on Impact's part to uh, to get him there, and and I think he's going to do good things. Uh, we're going to do good things as we wrap this thing up. We're going to we're going to get our plugs in. Scott, what do you got to plug? Scott underscore Chaplin on Twitter and Instagram. Also the Wrestle Roast account on Twitter. Also type in Wrestle Roast on ProWrestlingTees.com. Buy our merch. Join the Facebook group. That's about it. Mike, 
I realized there was something I, I forgot that I think we should spend like three minutes on if we have time. Interesting. Which sure. is another low spot. I was like, you know, what's something that we're forgetting? And this is something I know a lot of people have been talking about in the wrestling world. They, they get to use it as a way to, to bash AEW. And that's the less than a million viewers last week. They were, I just looked. They were up over a million again this week, mm-hmm. 1.13. But, you know, Punk and MJF only getting 940,000 viewers. I know we're not a rating show and, and all of that, and we don't really care about that stuff. But it is fascinating. This is their hottest program. They gave a very pay-per-view caliber main event, and it did not get great ratings. And uh, it should have, and that sucks because – they're a great wrestling company that gave a great wrestling product. Um, what? Why do you? Why do you think that is? Um, I, I will just quickly say I think that they over advertised Punk early on and and made him seem less special. And the first hour and fifteen minutes was just not great. That's my theory. Uh, what, what do you guys think? And is it concerning at all? So I, I agree. They didn't deliver a. a- good pre-advertised show going into it. And the first hour and 15 minutes felt lackluster. I honestly did not believe they were going to give MJF versus punk. I thought it was going to be some kind of a swerve. It was going to be some kind of a, maybe you get two minutes of it and you get a fuck finish and they want to push it down the road. I don't think the audience believed that they were really going to deliver this 40 plus minute awesome match. And we're no longer in an era where someone picks up the phone and calls their friends and says, you got to put on the show. Uh, there, there's, there's an immediacy for a little under a million people who are going to watch AEW every week, no matter what. But I think if they would have known where we, we, you know, we were st- on a stack of Bibles, we swear we're giving you this match and tune in for it. It would have drawn a higher rating. Uh, so I think that this week was a little bit of flop sweat on their part where they had to throw everything they possibly could. And the lineup looked great, even in advance, like you're going to hear MJF talk. You're going to see the, you know, the, the, the Wardlow match, you're going to get the world title match. There's going to be the forbidden door opening. Like they gave you so many things to want to tune in for uh, because they realize they're not on autopilot. And it's not just it's Wednesday, it's eight o'clock. People are going to tune in. But I think what really hurt them was people didn't believe they were going to give them the match. Scott. Yeah, I think a little bit of it is people didn't think they were going to get the match. Also, lately, the the main event um, has been going on first. And so I think people maybe tuned in. I mean, I haven't checked, you know, if it went down throughout the night, if it started it off did, a yeah. little strong. It started at over a million and then it dipped, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, and you know, you didn't, you didn't bring them the best AEW show. It very much was a one-match show and... You didn't give it to them maybe when people expected. I mean, also, sometimes I think people just don't feel like watching TV. You got to, like, check the weather in areas and shit. Like, you know, life happens. Uh, yeah, all I know, it was a great show. Yep. Um, Mike, what do we got for the Patreon this weekend? We are doing uh, the, I think this is a Dan pick, St. Valentine's uh, Day Massacre. This is a... Uh, Stone Cold and Vincent in a steel cage. This is a friend of the show, Blue Meanie. I think his only pay-per-view singles match, uh, Blue Dust versus Gold Dust. Uh, This is classic attitude era. Yo, bro, 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 bro. Vince Russo, booking baby. 
Oh, it's going to be broadcast. I, I have this on VHS. Did, Did you, you watch any... the hell out of it as a kid? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you buy it at a Specs? Can we really <laughs> make this a, feel as old as possible? Or something? Yeah. This, this is definitely a uh, pre FYE purchase. Uh, my, my plugs, you can follow me on Twitter at WWE Creative underscore ISH. Uh, I will be covering Raw on some for something to sports entertainment with at the $10 Patreon tier. Dan and I are going to be talking uh, the second episode of SmackDown and probably touching on this week's SmackDown and Rampage. Uh, it's going to be a stack show. Next week, we are back with the Aces and Eight count, which tends to uh, crazy shit bubbles up on that episode. I mean, I think that's the one thing people have learned going forward since we've altered the format. The roasts are awesome. The non-roast episodes are where we tend to get a lot of hidden gems, and they're they're an absolute blast. So on behalf of Mike, Scott, Dan, Zach, and all of us here at WrestleRoast, I'd like to wish you best of luck in your future endeavors. Zach, what do you got to say? <laughs> Wash your hands. Wash your fucking hands. Thank you, guys.